Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. We'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Each week, Ministry Watch brings you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy. News that we examine from a Christian worldview perspective, and our goal is to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. On today's program, we look at the new social media platform, Gab. It's become home to a number of Christian leaders and others who have been kicked off of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other mainstream platforms. And we also look at the strange case of Pastor Saeed Abedini. Free Pastor Saeed was a rallying cry for evangelicals five years ago, but his ex-wife now says that we didn't know the whole story. We begin today with the latest on the missionaries that were kidnapped in Haiti last Saturday, which is October 17th. Yeah, the gang that kidnapped 17 missionaries near Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince, is demanding $17 million, that's $1 million per person, for the group's release, according to government sources and news reports. Uh, the Ohio-based Christian Aid Ministries said that 17 people associated with the nonprofit organization were en route from an orphanage to the country's airport in Port-au-Prince when they were kidnapped. Officials are pointing to members of the 400 Mawozo gang as the culprits who abducted the Christian Aid Ministries members, including five children in that group, by the way. They also allege that Mawozo gang kidnapped five priests and two nuns earlier this year. Kidnappings in Haiti have surged by 300% this year, according to the Center for Analysis and Research in Human Rights, which is a Port-au-Prince-based nonprofit. Yeah, and much of that rise is due to this same gang, the 400 Mawozo Gang, uh, which has pioneered kidnapping of entire groups uh, from buses and cars uh, after operating car thefts and has grown to about 150 members. Some news reports indicate gangs control about half of Port-au-Prince and are kidnapping police officers, business people, and of course, as we now know, uh, ministers and missionaries as well. Well, now, Warren, you've been to Haiti. So do you have any thoughts about this situation? Well, I do. Uh, my first thought is that we should, of course, be in prayer for the missionaries who were kidnapped, in prayer for their safe release, of course, but also in prayer for peace and safety for them while they are in custody and for their families, who are, of course, no doubt anxious. Uh, secondly, I hope this situation causes American evangelicals to ask some tough questions about what's happening in Haiti, in part because Haiti is close to the United States. It's received more foreign aid and more attention from American evangelicals than just about any other country on the planet, and yet it remains among the poorest and most chaotic countries on earth as well. Now, uh, you mentioned that I've been to Haiti, Natasha, I've been there a couple of times, uh, neither one really recently, but I think they might give you an idea of what's going on there. Um, a couple of incidents happened on my first trip to Haiti. We were pulled over by a policeman who said that we had a broken 
taillight, and he wouldn't let us go until we gave him a small bribe. It ended up being about 10 U.S. dollars. And, of course, by the way, our taillight was not, in fact, broken. Um, but uh, he wouldn't take our word for it or even uh, take the fact that we would um, make it work while he was standing there. Another time, we were driving near the border between Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and we were stopped at a checkpoint and detained for a couple of hours by soldiers with guns. Um, and these soldiers, really, all they wanted was to go to Port-au-Prince with us. Uh, they uh, simply needed transportation to go home on leave, and their own government couldn't provide that transportation. So we ultimately agreed to take them home, uh, AK-47s and all piled into our uh, little SUV, and we drove towards Port-au-Prince. My point in telling these two stories is that the level of dysfunction, which has devolved into graft and corruption, has become a way of life in Haiti, and it's not at all clear that the American presence is making a positive difference. So what do you think Christian Americans could do? I mean, we can't simply ignore the poverty and brokenness there. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, in, in fact, the Bible says, go into all the world, and surely that means Haiti too. But I think how we go makes a difference, and it's pretty clear looking at Haiti that we need to be smarter about it. Uh, instead of sending a bunch of high schoolers, for example, on short-term mission trips, trips that with airfare can cost thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars, why not use that money to pay locals to do the work that the short-term missionaries uh, would end up doing? Or perhaps instead of sending Americans there, we could bring Haitians here for training, for refreshment, you might say, for a little R&R, and to capture a vision for what a functioning civil society actually looks like here in this country so that they could take that vision back to Haiti with them. Now, of course, none of this is easy and cheap, and we've been doing it the way we've been doing it for you know more than a century, but I think we've got to face the fact that the way we've been doing it doesn't seem to be helping, and in fact, it could be hurting. Uh, by the way, for those who want to dig deeper into the issues that, you know, I'm kind of raising here on our podcast, Natasha, I really recommend uh, reading When Helping Hurts, which is a book that we have featured as a giveaway on um, on this podcast before, and also checking out a documentary on Netflix called Poverty Inc. It's produced by the Acton Institute, and it discusses from a Christian perspective how our good intentions in Haiti have, in some cases, had really horrible unintended consequences. Well, in the meantime, what's going to happen to these missionaries? Well, the U.S. has sent the FBI to act as consultants in this process, but it is the official policy of the United States not to negotiate with terrorists and not to pay ransoms. However, sometimes Christian groups and others have paid ransoms in order to get their personnel out of harm's way. Uh, but that has apparently only encouraged yet more kidnappers. The U.S. State Department reported that at least 400 kidnappings occurred this year alone in Haiti. Others suspect that that number is closer to 600 or perhaps even 1,000 just since January. 
Well, let's move along to another story, and this one is back here in the U.S. The Reformed Church in America's 214th General Synod took place in Tucson, Arizona last week. What happened? Well, on Saturday, the denomination voted to appoint a team to develop a restructuring plan for the nearly 400-year-old denomination as it divides over LGBTQ ordination and same-sex marriage. The convention also adopted regulations for churches that have chosen to leave the RCA, the Reformed Church in America, to be able to retain their building and some of their assets. The restructuring plan and the regulations for existing churches set forth in a report to the convention called Vision 2020 passed by wide margins. Yeah, Saturday's votes uh, came after several conservative splinter groups had already broken off to form independent church networks uh, with other churches promising to follow. Uh, according to their website, one of the networks has already uh, taken in more than 125 churches, or I should say it another way, at least 125 expressed interest in joining. And that would be a big blow to a denomination that has less than 1,000 churches. Well, let's look at one more story before we take a break. And this is a story of a pastor from Texas who's been indicted for financial impropriety. Yeah, it, it's a uh, pastor. Randy Free is the man's name and his wife, uh, Michelle, have been indicted uh, in a state district court in Texas. And they've also been enjoined uh, by the court from engaging in any financial transactions related to property or assets of Cedar Cross Country Church, which is in Alvarez. Uh, the uh, criminal indictment against Randy and Michelle Free allege six first-degree felonies, including property theft of greater than $300,000, money laundering, and theft of property against a nonprofit organization. Randy Free uh, began taking control of the church's assets by making himself the president and registered agent for the Cedar Cross Country Church. The Frees then set up a separate nonprofit corporation called Team Harry. Heritage International in order to move the church's assets and sell the church's property. And Natasha, I should mention that this is one of the reasons why we at Ministry Watch believe in transparency, uh, because this all happened sort of outside the view of the elders and the general public. And uh, it became public only after a couple of elders caught wind of it and filed civil charges against the freeze. Warren, we need to take a break here, but when we return, we look at the social media platform Gab, which says it is trying to create a Christian alternative to mainstream social media platforms. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, up next, the social media platform, Gab. 
It has become the new home for people, including some Christian writers and leaders who've been kicked off of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other platforms. Yeah, Gab was founded by a man named Andrew Torba. Uh, He founded the social media platform with the goal of, and these are his words, preserving a parallel Christian society on the internet for generations to come. Torba describes himself as a conservative Republican Christian, uh, and he is calling for, again, these are his words, a silent Christian secession from mainstream culture. And his dream is resonating with millions of people. Well, do you see a problem with this? I mean, shouldn't big media platforms have some competition? Well, absolutely. But the problem with Gab is that, at least according to its critics, who are growing in number as the platform becomes more prominent, is that it's become you know, not a home just for Christians who want to espouse Christian ideas and values without being censored by Facebook and Twitter, but also by conspiracy theorists, right-wing militia, white supremacists, and so-called Christian nationalists. A number of organizations, as I said, that have been banned uh, from those other mainstream platforms have found a home on Gab. So whether you think Gab is a good idea or not, there can be no doubt that it is really growing. It launched in 2017, and then it relaunched on a new technology infrastructure in 2019, and it has already grown to 4 million registered users, and that growth doesn't seem to be slowing down. But Christian groups should exercise caution before they decide to use Gav as a platform for getting out their message. Warren, up next is a new chapter in a story Christians have been following for years. Yeah, that's right. It's the story of Pastor Saeed uh, Abedini. In 2012, Pastor Saeed was jailed by the Iranian government, uh, sentenced to eight years in prison at that time. His wife, uh, Nagme, uh, became a strong advocate for his release here in the United States. And others came alongside her, including the Family Research Council's uh, Tony Perkins and attorney Jay Sekulow, who are both interested in international religious liberty issues. And I should add, in a spirit of full disclosure, that I participated in a religious liberty conference at Cedarville University, probably around 2015 or 2016, at which um, Nagma Abedini was one of our speakers. But while she was advocating for her husband, she was hiding a secret as well. Yes, she was. Uh, She claims that her husband had been physically and emotionally abusive for years, and her claims are backed up by police reports. Uh, She now says that um, she wanted him out of the Iranian prison, but she did not want him to come home unless he got help. Otherwise, she believed her family would be in danger. Further, she says that when she uh, turned to some of the same Christian leaders who were happy to give her a platform and let her speak and use her, honestly, to in some of their fundraising campaigns, they either ignored her or offered advice that was not very helpful, such as, for example, to return to her husband, even though, uh, again, he uh, had allegedly been engaged in physical abuse and caused her to live in fear. And just to be clear, Pastor Saeed Abedini has long denied any abusive behavior. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Though he did plead guilty in 2007 to domestic abuse, uh, for which he was given a year's probation, and court records from the couple's divorce also uh, showed a pattern of abusive behavior. And in 2018, he was arrested for violating a no-contact order. Now, what about the evangelical leaders who were associated with them? Do they have anything to say? 
Well, not much uh, at this point. Franklin Graham declined to answer specific questions about his interactions with Nakhmed uh, Panahi. And I should say that she has assumed her maiden name following her divorce from Pastor Saeed Abedini. In a statement, Graham said that she had come uh, to him for help when her husband, Pastor Saeed, was imprisoned and that he agreed to do everything I possibly could to help them. Um, that included sharing the family story in the media and helping them with expenses. In an email statement, Franklin Graham said, while they were still married, I advocated for and hoped for biblical reconciliation and a God-given restoration to their marriage, but sadly, that did not happen. Warren, we're going to have to take another break, but when we return, our weekly lightning round of ministry news. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host, Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Warren, we like to use this last little segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, a bit of good news to get us started. Calvin University, the prominent Christian school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, has received a $15 million gift to establish a school of health. It's an anonymous gift, and the anonymous uh, alumni donor gift, which is the second largest in the school's history, will enable Calvin to fund new faculty positions and develop state-of-the-art laboratories. Calvin rebranded itself from Calvin College to Calvin University in 2019, and and it currently has about 10 graduate programs. It enrolls about 3,300 students and is a member of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. The announcement comes at a time of transition for Calvin, which is currently facilitating a search for its 11th president, President Michael Leroy, who has served as the university's president since 2012, announced in June that he would be departing at the conclusion of the 2022 academic year. And our next story is really a story of no news. So if there's no news, why is that news? <laughs> well, because it was one year ago last week that an independent investigation was launched into sexual abuse allegations against Christian singer and songwriter Chris Rice. But so far, a year later, no report has been released. The fact that there is no news is news because this anniversary highlights how long it takes and how difficult it is to conduct such investigations. And I should also add, 
said how important it is to get these investigations done in a timely manner. If the allegations turn out to be true, the report uh, helps provide justice for the victim or victims. And if the allegations turn out to be false, they provide exoneration for Chris Rice, uh, who is walking around with a cloud over his head, given the current situation. The fact that this investigation has gone on for a year was a fact that we here at Ministry Watch felt need to be highlighted. Next up is our latest stop in Ministry Watch's tour of states. Yeah, the Show Me State of Missouri comes in ninth on the Ministry Watch list of our top 25 states uh, for Christian ministries by revenue generated. Missouri's 29 Christian ministries, and I should add that they have far more than 29 Christian ministries, these are 29 that are part of the Ministry Watch 1000 database, took in more than a billion dollars last year. Uh, Convoy of Hope, which was a 2019 Ministry Watch Shining Light Award winner, brought in about $370 million in 2020. Uh, Located in the southwestern part of the state in Springfield, Convoy of Hope's mission is to feed the world through children's feeding initiatives, community outreach, and disaster response. The second largest uh, ministry in the state is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, It has about 2,500 staff and generated about $150 million in revenue last year. You can see the entire list um, of all 29 ministries, including their revenue, by going to ministrywatch.com. The story is right on the front page. And who do you have in the Ministries Making a Difference column this week? Well, uh, some personnel news. Uh, Youth for Christ USA uh, has promoted longtime Youth for Christ staff member Ali King uh, to the newly created role of Chief Operating Officer. King has worked with Youth for Christ in various roles for the past 30 years, including as a campus life director, a ministry director, and the National Middle School Campus Life Director. Also in the Ministries Making a Difference column is Nazarene Medical Corps, which is part of Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. Uh, They provided more than 600 medical consultations at the southern Mexican border recently when we were having the border crisis there. They sent volunteer doctors, nurses, radiologists, physical therapists, and psychologists to help patients with a wide variety of issues. Uh, They also met with children to play games, sing songs, and share the gospel. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Yeah, I've got a couple of things I want to share before we leave today, Natasha. First, I want to let everyone know about a story on our website that kind of doesn't easily summarize for this podcast. It's a kind of a timeline, a deep dive into the events that took place at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis. Many people know that church as one that John Piper served for many years. We've been covering senior staff turnover there, and Sophia Lee of World Magazine wrote an in-depth and really excellent story about what's happening there. You know, we don't often link to stories from other publications here at Ministry Watch. We try to do mostly our own original reporting. But this story is one that we thought was really worth making an exception for. You can get started with this story at the Ministry Watch website, going to ministrywatch.com. And then after a few paragraphs, we click you through to the World Magazine site. Anything else? Well, just a reminder that there's a quick, easy, and free way that you can support this podcast, and that is simply to give us a rating on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the more attention we get from search engines, and that helps new listeners find us. And by the way, when you go there to give us a rating, uh, leave a comment as well. I read them all and really appreciate them. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Christina Darnell, Ann Steich, Kim Roberts, Steve Raby, Bob Smetanya, Yonat Shimron, Jack Jenkins, Catherine Post, Michael Ray Smith, Rod Pitzer, and you, Warren. And special thanks to the nonprofit Times, Religion Unplugged, and World for contributing materials to this week's program. I'm Natasha Smith in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.